what's happening food eaters i hope all of you are staying well during the time of the virus this is the food labels revealed podcast with your host mel weinstein personally dubbed the self-professed prophet of processed foods a new episode is released at the end of every month this is an absolutely free podcast 100 percent. it won't cost you a cent and I won't ask you for a cent. No fundraising campaigns on this show and no merch to sell. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine. I won't be promoting any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or just the old-fashioned way. Word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Today's program is about kids and junk food. What an old, ongoing, controversial topic. It's been in the social discourse as long as I can remember, but honestly, at least in the United States, in my opinion, not a whole lot has been done to break the toxic connection between kids and junk food. We're certainly not doing as well as other countries. I'll talk about that later. The content of the program will consist of three parts. One, kids' health in America and the world. Two, marketing bad food to kids. And three, examining five commercial products targeting kids as consumers. Of course, this episode would not be complete without my usual brain-numbing analysis of food ingredients and processed foods. So, stay tuned, food eaters. I think you'll find the upcoming information interesting. Even I was surprised at some of the items I dug up during the research for the show. First up, let's get into kids' health. Most of us are aware of the negative trends as regards diet and disease tracing all the way back to the 1950s. Plus, the trends seem to be getting worse, not better, even though we know better. Just think about the headlines in recent decades highlighting childhood obesity, type 2 diabetes in children, it used to be called adult onset diabetes, metabolic syndrome, allergies, gluten intolerance, and autoimmune diseases. The British medical journal, The Lancet, in early 2020, published a 54-page document called A Future for the World's Children. The paper was co-sponsored by the World Health Organization, WHO, and the United Nations Children Fund, UNICEF. Here is an early statement in the paper, quote, Successful societies invest in their children and protect their rights, as is evident from countries that have done well on health and economic measures over the past few decades. Yet, many politicians still do not prioritize investing in children, nor see it as the foundation for broader societal improvements. Even in rich countries, many children go hungry or live in conditions of absolute poverty, especially those belonging to marginalized social groups, including indigenous populations and ethnic minorities. Too often, the potential of children with developmental disabilities is neglected, restricting their contributions to society, end quote. 
Here's another statement that got my attention. Quote, the rights and entitlements of children are enshrined within the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, called the CRC, ratified by all countries except the USA. End quote. Firstly, I had never heard of any international organization that advocated for the rights of children. That's uh, people under the age of 18. Secondly, the USA was mentioned as the only UN member not to ratify that Bill of Rights. What's up with that? So, I looked around online for this document that spelled out the provisions of the CRC. There were 42 individual rights listed for children with some obvious statements like, Number two, no discrimination. All children have all these rights, no matter who they are, where they live, what language they speak, what their religion is, what they think, what they look like, if they are a boy or a girl, if they have a disability, if they are rich or poor, and no matter who their parents or families are or what their parents or families believe or do. No child should be treated unfairly for any reason. Number six is life, survival, and development. Every child has the right to be alive. Governments must make sure that children survive and develop in the best possible way. Number 11 is protection from kidnapping. Governments must stop children being taken out of the country when this is against the law. For example, being kidnapped by someone or held abroad by a parent when the other parent does not agree. Number 19 is about protection from violence. Governments must protect children from violence, abuse, and being neglected by anyone who looks after them. Number 22 is about refugee children. Children who move from their home country to another country as refugees because it was not safe for them to be there should get help and protection and have the same rights as children born in that country. Number 32 addresses protection from harmful work. Children have the right to be protected from doing work that is dangerous or bad for their education, health, or development. If children work, they have the right to be safe and paid fairly. In number 33, uh, there's talk about protection from harmful drugs. Governments must protect children from taking, making, carrying, or selling harmful drugs. Nine, number 34 is about protection from sexual abuse. The government should protect children from sexual exploitation, being taken advantage of, and sexual abuse, including by people forcing children to have sex for money or making sexual pictures or films of them. Number 35, prevention of sale and trafficking. Governments must make sure that children are not kidnapped or sold or taken to other countries or places to be exploited. There's number 38, protection in war. Children have the right to be protected during war. No child under 15 can join the army or take part in war. And number 40, children who break the law. Children accused of breaking the law have the right to legal help and fair treatment. 
There should be lots of solutions to help these children become good members of their communities. Prison should only be the last choice. Okay, most of these rights were no-brainers to me. Of course children should be protected from discrimination, kidnapping, violence, incarceration, refugee abuse, dangerous work, slavery, exploitation, and conscription into the military. Now, a few of the rights mentioned in the document had to do with health. Uh, there's number 24, health, water, food, environment. Children have the right to the best health care possible, clean water to drink, healthy food, and a clean and safe environment to live in. All adults and children should have information about how to stay safe and healthy. And finally, there's 27 on food, clothing, a safe home. Children have the right to food, clothing, and a safe place to live so they can develop in the best possible way. The government should help families and children who cannot afford this. All right, the, the CRC was adopted by the UN General Assembly in 1989, and it was opened for signature by member con countries. It became UN policy in 1990 after it was ratified by the required number of countries. Today, 196 of them have ratified it with the USA being the lone exception. That sounds strange to me, considering that this country was founded on a Bill of Rights. Oddly, the U.S. government was active in drafting the convention, and it was a signatory, but the Congress balked at ratifying it due to active opposition from political and religious groups who thought the convention imposed on the moral authority of church and family. Also, in some states, juvenile offenders under the age of 18 are sentenced to long prison terms, which would not be in keeping with one of the convention's statements. However, uh, there, there were two optional protocols that the U.S. approved, which had to do with uh, children involved in armed conflict and the sale of children child prostitution, and child pornography. All right, back to the Lancet paper. Here's another quote. Evidence from longitudinal studies reports that the benefits of healthy childhood development extend to older ages. Birth weight, infant growth, and peak physical and cognitive capacities in childhood are associated with or predictive of older adults' physical and cognitive capacities, muscle strength, bone mass, lens opacity, hearing capacity, skin thickness, and life expectancy. Good nutrition in childhood is the basis for many such gains. WHO describes a rapid rise in childhood obesity as one of the most serious public health challenges of the 21st century. The number of obese children and adolescents increased 10 times from 11 million in 1975 to 124 million in 2016. In part, urbanization has increased access to junk food and reduced access to play areas and safe exercise spaces, end quote. 
They go on to say, quote, Poor fetal growth or stunting in the first two years of life leads to irreversible damage, including reduced adult height, lower attained schooling, and lower adult income. Children who are undernourished in the first two years of life and who put on weight rapidly later in childhood or in adolescence are at high risk of obesity and later chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart attack, and stroke. The Lancet paper went on to rank every United Nations country according to how well the children of that country flourished. The USA, the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world, ranked number 39 out of 180 countries. We were not a world leader, according to the measure of children's rights. Countries that ranked higher than us were Bosnia, Saudi Arabia, and Estonia. The very best countries in the world were in order from number one to number five, Norway, South Korea, Netherlands, France, and Ireland. Let's uh, turn to some specific stats as regards the health of American children. This comes from childstats.gov, and the data was mostly taken from 2017. 9.9% of babies are born earlier than 37 weeks. 8.3% of babies are born under 5.5 pounds. 6 out of 1,000 infants die before their first birthday. 6% of children aged 4 to 17 have major emotional and behavioral problems. 13% of youth aged 12 to 17 had a major depressive episode in the previous year. 11% of kids aged 5 to 17 have a chronic health condition that limits their activity. 19% of kids 6 to 17 are obese. 8% of kids 0 to 17 have asthma. From a 2020 report from the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, comes the following. 25 kids out of 10,000 have diabetes. 89% of those are type 1 and 11% are type 2. Do you remember when type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes because it was pretty much unknown in children? In my life, it was the middle-aged to seniors who got the type 2 disease. It was definitely, or seemed to be, age-related. Now, because of obesity and related metabolic disorders, kids are subject to illnesses that were unheard of just a few decades ago. Then there is heart disease. What? Heart disease in children? The following comes from a WebMD article published in 2011, so this information is nine years old. Quote, The rate of premature heart disease among obese teens is set to triple, and the increasing prevalence of high blood pressure in children is a major culprit. 
the presence of child obesity results in higher rates of high blood pressure. This is a problem that is not going to magically go away, and it puts children at risk for premature cardiac events at an earlier period in their adult lives. The statistics are staggering. 17% of children are obese and 20% are overweight, which means that about 12 million children under age 18 are either overweight or obese. As it stands, 3.5% of children have high blood pressure, and another 3.5% have pre-hypertension, that's blood pressure, meaning that they are at risk of developing high blood pressure in the future. There is no magic number that defines high blood pressure in children. Instead, a child's sex, age, and height are used to determine age, sex, and height-specific systolic and diastolic blood pressure percentiles. Obesity and high blood pressure are two components of metabolic syndrome, a cluster of risk factors that increases the risk of heart attack, stroke, and diabetes. Treating children with essential high blood pressure, that's high blood pressure caused by another disease or condition, starts with lifestyle changes. This means trying to modify diet, increase physical activity, and if they are overweight, controlling that weight. Here are more stats from America's Health Rankings in a 2019 report. The teen suicide rate increased 25% since 2016. The child mortality rate has increased 6% since 2016. The USA has the highest maternal mortality rate among all the high-income countries. The states with the healthiest children are Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New Hampshire. The states with the unhealthiest children are Oklahoma, Mississippi, and Alaska. Note that the, the last two rankings about the states are based upon a broad array of health considerations for children, not just food quality. Now, I'm sorry to paint such a bleak picture of America's kids' health, but it's important to face facts before deciding what to do about it. Another factor that critically affects the eating habits of kids is advertising by junk food manufacturers. That's obvious. We all know that. Advertising by big food is an influential tool to create an urge to purchase and consume junk food. It has been around since the birth of commercial food companies. But is it getting worse in terms of the targeting of kids? Let's uh, take a look at that. Again, from the Lancet article, quote, Marketing of products to children and adolescents provides excellent dividends for companies, driving household spending and creating brand loyalties across the lifespan. Large companies incorporate the science of the life course approach into their marketing, to achieve the adherence and fidelity of children to capture future consumption. This life course brand loyalty constitutes an even more valuable target than the spending children currently direct or influence. Children around the world are enormously exposed to advertisements. 
the average young person in the USA sees 13,000 to 30,000 advertisements just on television each year. A systematic review showed that the most commonly reported persuasive techniques used on television to promote food to children were the use of premium offers, promotional characters, nutrition and health-related claims, the theme of taste, and the emotional appeal of fun. Additionally, the channels to reach children and adolescents have grown and diversified, often blurring the line between entertainment and advertising. Social media advertising has exploded in the past decade. However, little research is available to understand the effects of reaching children directly with commercial messaging. Newer techniques, such as the use of so-called kid influencers, social media endorsement deals for children and teenagers, are barely on the radar of parents and regulators. Although children younger than 7 to 8 years old are understood to believe what they see and not to recognize the persuasive intent of commercial advertising and marketing, much less is known about how emerging technologies potentially exploit children's developmental stages for the purpose of profit-making. End quote. The USA is not alone in terms of advertising pressure on children. It's a worldwide problem. The Lancet article continues, quote, When seeking to protect children from harmful commercial exploitation, self-regulatory schemes have had a very small effect on marketing to children or in protecting use of their data. In Mexico, companies that had signed up for self-regulation focused 93% of their advertisements on unhealthy food and beverages. In Canada, companies promoted unhealthy foods and beverages at similar rates during programs with high numbers of child viewers, whether or not they participated in the Canadian Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative. In New Zealand, 88% of unhealthy food advertisements were shown during children's peak viewing times in contravention of a number of self-regulation agreements by industry. In Australia, children's exposure to unhealthy fast food advertising did not change following the introduction of self-regulation. In Spain, non-compliance with the Spanish Code of Self-Regulation of Food and Drinks Advertising directed at children under the age of 12 years has only increased between 2008 and 2012. In Sri Lanka, of all food and beverage-related advertisements, 78% were child-focused, and of these, 74% claimed health benefits, many of which were unsupported. In the USA, only 1.4% of all child-targeted food ads met all aspects of the interagency working group on foods marketed to children guidelines, end quote. The American Psychological Association, the APA, has done its own research on this subject. Quote, Obesity in children increases the more hours they watch television. In very young children, research has found that every one-hour increase in TV viewing per day, there are higher intakes of sugar-sweetened beverages, fast food, red processed meat, and overall calories, 48.7 calories per day. 
excess weight can be gained by the addition of only 150 calories a day. Other research has found that children who watch more than three hours of television a day are 50% more likely to be obese than children who watch fewer than two hours. End quote. Junk food advertising is pretty dominant. According to the APA, quote, food ads on television make up 50% of all the ad time on children's shows. These ads are almost completely dominated by unhealthy food products, that is 34% for candy and snacks, 28% for cereal, 10% for fast food, 4% for dairy products, and 1% for fruit juices, and 0% for fruits and vegetables. Children are rarely exposed to public service announcements or advertising for healthier foods. End quote. Here's a, an estimate of kids' exposure to advertising. From age 2 to 7, 4,427 ads per year. For ages 8 to 12, 7,609 ads per year. For ages 13 to 17, 6,098 ads per year. WebMD also weighs in on this subject. Quote, Children now see about one-third more fast-food TV ads than they did just six to seven years ago, while preschoolers see 21% more. A recent study showed that after viewing snack food advertisements, children and adults were more likely to eat more, regardless of reported hunger. Seeing the commercials trained them in a way to want the food. End quote. Fortunately, some countries are starting to see the light. According to the website Food Navigator, in the United Kingdom, food and drink companies are banned from advertising products that are high in fat, sugar, and salt during children's TV programming when the under-16 audience is more than 25%. In Ireland, those types of products cannot be advertised when 50% of the audience is under 18 in Sweden, the ban covers programs which appeal to children under 12. Let's look at some stark advertising numbers put out by the Prevention Institute. The food and beverage industry spends about $2 billion per year marketing the children. The fast food industry spends more than $5 million every day marketing unhealthy foods to children. About 98% of advertisements aimed at kids are for products high in fat, sugar, and sodium. A survey conducted in 2011 found that company pledges to reduce food marketing of unhealthy products have failed to protect children under 12 for all types of marketing practices promoting such foods. Every day, Black children see twice as many calories promoted in fast food ads compared to white children. In 2010, the food and beverage industry spent over $40 billion lobbying Congress against several regulations, including those that would decrease the marketing of unhealthy foods to kids. Okay, back to me. 
It's one thing to talk about the factors that influence the consumption of junk food by today's kids, but let's get into some specifics. Out of the hundreds, if not thousands, of junk foods in the commercial world of foods, I've selected five products that seem to target kids. Looking at each individually, I'll reveal the ingredients and make some comments about their nutritional content. I've done this many times in past episodes. If you're interested, here are other episodes where I delved into junk foods. In number three, I examined Coca-Cola and Pringles. In number six and seven, Pillsbury's Toaster Strudel was analyzed. Energy drinks were dissected in episodes 10 and 11. The very worst kids' foods I've ever come across, Lunchables, was broken down in episode number 13. In number 36, I provided evidence that some kids' cereals had sugar content similar to that in cookies. And in number 52, I investigated Doritos tortilla chips. For this episode, here are the products I'll be examining. Kellogg's Pop-Tarts Chocolate Cupcake, Hostess's Fudge Covered Twinkies, Popsicle SpongeBob SquarePants Pop-Ups, Mars Kudos M&M Granola Bars, and lastly, Quaker Oats Instant Oatmeal Dinosaur Eggs. All right, let's get going. Got some work to do here. Number one, Kellogg's Pop-Tarts Chocolate Cupcake. Well, what can I say about Pop-Tarts? They're, they're definitely an American icon in the junk food industry. I've known about them most of my life. Kellogg's premiered them in 1964. Here's a recent commercial about another flavor. Hey, Randy. What are you, what are you doing? I can't wait any longer. You know, if they're not going to make a peanut butter Pop-Tart, then I'll just make it myself. Well, Randy, actually... The... I've called them. I've written them letters. Okay, but... You... I'm not saying Pop-Tarts aren't crazy good. I'm just saying they could be crazy gooder. Randy, they made it. They made a peanut butter Pop-Tart, and they want us to work on the campaign. Hey, no, hey, it's okay. You didn't know. I'm just super happy. Okay, good. Pop-Tarts, they're crazy good. Yeah, Pop-Tarts are crazy good, or maybe that should be restated as you must be crazy to eat them. Until I started doing the podcast, I never realized how many YouTube videos are devoted to junk food reviews, and most of them are very favorable. But really, does anyone say anything about ingredients or nutrition? Most consumers just don't pay attention to such mundane topics. Here are the ingredients in the Pop-Tarts chocolate cupcake. Enriched flour made of wheat flour, niacin, reduced iron, vitamin B1, vitamin B2, folic acid, sugar, dextrose, soybeans, and palm oil with TBHQ for freshness, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, cocoa processed with alkali, bleached wheat flour, whey, contains 2% or less of salt, modified cornstarch, leavening, which is uh, baking soda, sodium acid pyrophosphate, and monocalcium phosphate, sodium steroidal lactylate, gelatin, datum, spelled D-A-T-E-M, natural and artificial flavors, caramel color, color added, egg whites, yellow six lake, 
blue 2 lake, red 40 lake, yellow 5 lake, and finally soy lecithin. All right, tallying all those up, there are 34 ingredients. And they are all unique, no replicates. Imagine wanting to prepare this product in your kitchen. First, not counting the vitamins and minerals, you'll have to gather up 29 packages and containers and place them on your counter. You, you won't even have room left for things like mixing bowls. All right, let's look at the three major components of junk foods. First of all, they are the SOS ingredients. It stands for sugar, oil, and salt. Apart from taste and texture, these are the biggies, which keep people coming back again and again. For sugar or sweetness, we find the following. Sugar, number seven. Dextrose, number eight corn syrup, number 12, and high fructose corn syrup, number 13. The total sugar content is 34 grams for two pastries, and they weigh 96 grams. So the sugar amount calculates to be 35%. All right, check that one off. For oil or fat, the product has a mixture of soybean oil, number 9, and palm oil number 10. The oil content is 3 grams, which is 3.1% of the total. Not too bad, except for two things. One, soybean oil is one of the cheapest and most processed oils used by junk food manufacturers. And two, the oil is preserved with TBHQ, a mysterious acronym that food companies don't feel the need to reveal to consumers because the name sounds like a synthetic chemical, which it is. TBHQ stands for tertiary-butyl hydroquinone. This chemical is an antioxidant which sucks up oxygen to keep oils from going rancid and producing off flavors. At low levels, under 0.02%, the FDA says that TBHQ is just fine and safe. But if someone gets exposed to one gram, they may suffer from nausea, vomiting, ringing in the ears, and delirium. All right, so check oil off. The third one, salt, does make the list at number 17. The amount of sodium in two pastries is 410 milligrams, which is equivalent to about one gram of salt. The sodium content is 18% of the maximum daily recommendation, so that's pretty high. Check salt off. From the perspective of kids' health, here are a few other observations. In rich flour, the number one ingredient is used, which means that Pop-Tarts are made of white flour, the lowest nutritive form of wheat. Also, there's bleach flour, number 15, as a component. That flour is even worse than enriched flour because hazardous chemicals are used to bleach or whiten the flour. Modified cornstarch, number 18, is one of the ingredients. This is a synthetic ingredient made from cornstarch which is chemically reacted with oftentimes hazardous chemicals to create a starch with specific chemical or physical properties. It's a functional ingredient to provide some desirable property, maybe texture, to the food. 
In this case, it's probably used in the Pop-Tart filling. The pastry dough has three synthetic leavening agents to help it rise. There's baking soda, sodium bicarbonate, which is number 19, sodium acid pyrophosphate, number 20, and monocalcium phosphate, number 21. Okay, these are all synthetic ingredients. Then there's sodium steroidal lactylate, number 22. What's that in there for? It's a synthetic emulsifying agent to keep the oily and watery parts of the filling from separating. You wouldn't want to bite into a Pop-Tart and find a glob of fat on your tongue. A second mysterious acronym, DATEM, D-A-T-E-M, shows up as ingredient number 24. This synthetic ingredient is diacetyl tartaric acid esters of mono and diglycerides. That's a beautiful name for a chemist to say. Just trips off my tongue. Functionally, it serves as another emulsifier for the watery and oily components. It may also be a dough conditioner used to improve volume and uniformity, but not likely in this case. The chemical is considered safe by the FDA, but a study in 2002 on rats showed heart muscle fibrosis and adrenal overgrowth. Then there are the natural flavors, number 25, and synthetic flavors, number 26. Note the plurals. Not only are the food companies not required to list the names of flavor ingredients used, but we don't even know how many of them are in the product. Obviously, the synthetic flavors are made in a factory and likely not derived from natural compounds. So there's no information here to make any intelligent evaluation of the health aspects of these chemicals. But I can say something about the coloring agents, which are listed as yellow six lake, number 30, blue two lake, number 31, red 40 lake, number 32, yellow five lake, number 33. These are all synthetic colors. The word lake tells you that the dyes come from the combination of food colors and metal compounds to produce colored powders. These additional colors have a questionable track record, particularly as ingredients in foods that target children. For example, yellow 6 can induce allergic reactions. Yellow 5, as of 2009, was not supposed to be used in food. Regarding blue 2, the World Health Organization gives it a B rating, suggesting that there is not enough data to show that it should be a food ingredient. The red 40 dye is also not supposed to be used in foods, and there's a chemical used in its manufacturing, which is carcinogenic. Lastly, looking at nutrition, there are only 2 grams of fiber in two Pop-Tarts, which is pretty low considering that preteens should be getting a minimum of 26 to 31 grams of fiber per day, depending upon their gender. Before leaving the Pop-Tarts product, what can be said about how it's marketed to kids? The artwork on the box conjures up a, an image of a hostess chocolate cupcake, even with the curly Q icing on the top. If you're a kid that salivates at the thought of a chocolate cupcake with a smooth and sugary vanilla cream filling, then you'll want to get your grubby little hands on this Pop-Tart pastry. Product development in modern times has used a fusion concept to up the appeal for their products. 
by combining their technology with the appearance and flavor of another very popular junk food, in this case Hostess Cupcakes, they can get kids to go for it. Alright, let's look at product number two, Fudge Covered Twinkies, a.k.a. the Chocodile. This may take a while. Have a chocodile. Hostess chocodiles from Chauncey Chocodile. It takes a while to eat a chocodile. You'll have to wait a while. Have a chocodile. It's so big and delicious that it takes a while to eat a chocodile. Hostess chocodiles. Lots of golden cake covered with chocolate flavor and cream filling inside. So big and delicious that it takes a while to eat a chocodile. Hostess chocodiles cake. That was one happy crocodile. Here's another junk food brand that just keeps reinventing itself. Here's a trivia question. What was the cream flavor in the original Twinkie from 1930? If you guessed banana, you were right. Okay, here are the ingredients in the Twinkie. Sugar, Water, enriched flour made up of bleached wheat flour, malted barley flour, niacin ferrous sulfate or reduced iron, thiamine mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid, and there's a palm kernel oil, high fructose corn syrup, tallow, dextrose, contains 2% or less of the following, egg, cocoa processed with alkali, soybean oil, cornstarch, whey, modified cornstarch, hydrogenated tallow, glycerin, salt, sodium acid pyrophosphate, baking soda, enzymes, soy lecithin, cottonseed oil, sorbic acid, natamycin, and potassium sorbate, these are to retain freshness, mono and diglycerides, natural and artificial flavors, cellulose gum, sodium steroid lactylate, xanthan gum, polysorbate 60, monocalcium phosphate, yellow 5, and finally red 40. This Twinkie has a total of 40 ingredients, including the vitamins and minerals, and they are all unique. Once again, that's quite a number for a single 2-ounce treat. What are the SOS ingredients? Starting with sweeteners, there are only two. The number 11 ingredient is high fructose corn syrup, and number 13 is dextrose. However, the Twinkie has 25 grams of sugar out of 54 grams total, which comes to 46%. That's a huge sugar content, nearly half, and would be a big attraction for kids. For the oils and fats, we have palm kernel oil, number 10, tallow, number 12, soybean oil, number 16, cottonseed oil, and then finally hydrogenated tallow at number 17. Adding all these together gives 10 grams of fat, or 19%. So sugar and fat make up 65% of the Twinkie. By the way, cottonseed oil is an interesting ingredient. Have you ever seen a bottle of cottonseed oil on a grocery store shelf? Probably not, but the FDA allows this non-vegetable oil in foods. The last SOS ingredient is salt. Since the sodium content is 190 milligrams, the equivalent amount of salt would be about 483 milligrams. The sodium content comes in at 8% of the daily recommended amount, which is actually 
fairly low. Staying on the subject of fat, there's a surprise ingredient in the Twinkie. There's actually two. The 12th ingredient is tallow, and the 20th ingredient is hydrogenated tallow. Hey, that's a sound for a new ingredient not yet discussed in the Food Labels Revealed podcast. These are actually different ingredients, but they're related. So I'm, I'm going to lump them together, and you won't have to hear that awful sound uh, a second time. The old-timers out there should recognize tallow. The youngsters, maybe not. Tallow is the rendered form of animal fat. Simply put, Fat removed from animal carcasses is melted down to form tallow, a white solid. Originally, shortening was made of tallow before vegetable oils replaced it. Tallow is a rich source of saturated fat, which is a risk factor for heart disease. The other ingredient, hydrogenated tallow, is even worse at 100% saturated fat. Not good for young hearts. The nutrition facts list 7 grams of saturated fat per Twinkie. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the daily intake should not exceed 10% of the total calories for the day. At 9 calories per gram of fat, that 7 grams yields 63 calories. If a child consumes 1,500 calories, then the daily intake is 4%. So if you follow the math, just eating one Twinkie provides roughly 40% of the daily limit for saturated fat. Again, not good for the youngster's heart. Looking at the other ingredients, we see enriched bleach flour, number three, not a healthy grain. Also the ubiquitous and unspecified Modified cornstarch, number 19, shows up as well as the leavening agents, baking soda, number 24, and sodium acid pyrophosphate, number 23. Soy lecithin, number 26, is a common emulsifying agent. Natamycin, number 29, now that's an unusual recent food additive. It's an antifungal medication used to treat fungal infections around the eye. But it's also approved for use in foods as a preservative to prevent fungus formation. Note that I'm not recommending Twinkies for treating eye infections. The synthetic chemicals mono and diglycerides, number 31, are present as additional emulsifiers. Remember, there's a bunch of oil in this product, and there's going to be more to come. The secretive natural flavors, number 32, and artificial flavors, number 33, make another appearance, but there's no more info here to talk about. Cellulose gum, number 34, comes from the woody, fibrous parts of plants and serves as a gelling agent to provide body, probably in the Twinkie cream filling. Sodium steroid lactylate, number 35, shows up again, still another emulsifying agent. Xanthan gum, number 36, is another synthetic gelling agent. Polysorbate 60, number 34, is another synthetic emulsifying agent. The synthetic monocalcium phosphate, number 38, helps control acidity. And finally, the last ingredients are the artificial dyes, yellow 5 and red 40, 
which I talked about earlier. Just for kicks, let's find out what percent of the ingredients are synthetic or artificial. I count 23. So 23 out of 40 gives 58%. Over half of the ingredients in this kid's treat are synthetic. Could Twinkies in any way, shape, or form be good for kids? Just one more comment on nutrition. There are zero grams of fiber in Twinkies. This is an important nutrient, and there's none of it in this product. Lastly, how are Twinkies marketed to kids? The box shows a cartoonish, smiling sponge cake dressed up like a cowboy. In the middle of the box is a picture of a partially exposed chocolate-covered Twinkie with the chocolate fudge pouring over it from above. The word, the chocodile, is printed right above the cake. In the upper right corner is printed the word hostess with a red heart above the O, not likely referring to heart health. Do you think this image with the accompanying cartoon cake would grab a kid's attention? All right, let's go on to product number three, Popsicle SpongeBob SquarePants Pop-Ups. The first popsicles were marketed in 1923 in California by Frank Epperson, who invented them by accident in 1905 when he was just 11. He had left some soda outside in freezing weather. He named the treats Epsicles after himself, but later his kids called them Popsicles after their father, and that name stuck. He sold the company in 1925. Later, in 1989, it was purchased by the Good Humor Company, which is now a subsidiary of Unilever, the British-Dutch conglomerate. Let's look at the ingredients. Non-fat milk, water, liquid sugar, which has sugar and water in it, high fructose corn syrup, maltodextrin, corn syrup, strawberry juice from concentrate, milk fat, orange juice from concentrate, lemon juice from concentrate, citric acid, malic acid, mono and diglycerides, guar gum, locust bean gum, natural and artificial flavors, polysorbate 80, asorbic acid, yellow 6, and finally red 40. There are a surprising 22 unique ingredients in this simple treat. In terms of the SOS ingredients, the sweeteners show up as sugar, number 3, high fructose corn syrup, number 5, maltodextrin, number 6, and corn syrup number seven. Of course, natural fruit concentrates will also contribute sugar. In a 52 gram pop-up, there are nine grams of sugar, uh, and that's 17%, which is lower than I would have guessed. The fat just comes from milk fat, number nine. There's only one fat gram out of 52, and that's 2% of the total. There is no salt in this product, although there is a nominal 15 milligrams of sodium from other ingredients. Looks like the SOS content in this case is pretty reasonable. Other ingredients not mentioned earlier include citric acid number 12 and malic acid number 13, which are likely present as acidifiers, and they both provide a tart taste. Gums like guar, number 15, and locust bean, number 16, provide texture. Polysorbate 80, number 19, a synthetic chemical, is similar to polysorbate 60, discussed earlier, and it acts as an emulsifier. 
Ascorbic acid, number 20, also known as vitamin C, serves as an antioxidant or preservative. Again, we observe the use of artificial colors, yellow 6 and red 40 in this product, which, as noted earlier, are unhealthy ingredients. Like Twinkies, there is no dietary fiber in the pop-up. How natural are these pop-ups? Well, they seem pretty natural with the listing of fruit juices, but when I count up the artificial ingredients, I get 11 out of 22 are artificial or 50%. How is this product marketed to kids? As we all know, a typical marketing tactic employed by food companies to target kids is to use TV and movie characters to sell their products. In this case, we have SpongeBob SquarePants, a very popular cartoon figure prominently displayed on the lower right side of the box with a fist in the air and a big smile that delivers the message, Buy Me. All right, the fourth product, Kudos M&M Granola Bar. The Mars Company first launched the Kudos Granola Bar line in 1986. The marketing strategy was to offer a healthier candy bar. You'll love the first bite, outrageously right, new Kudos Granola Snacks. Pleasing, teasing, Kudos, I'm yours. I'm yours. Nutty fudge, chocolate chip, or peanut butter. Kudos, you won me over any other. Electrifying, granola fire. Simply nutritious, outrageously delicious. Kudos, I'm yours, I'm yours. Simply nutritious and outrageously delicious. We'll see. Uh, this product is included in my review, not as a prime example of junk food targeted to kids, but as an example of disguised junk food that parents might mistake as a better snack for their kids to eat. Ever since the 1960s, the word granola has an exaggerated association with healthy eating. As we'll see of the five junk foods reviewed in this episode, the Kudos bar is probably the worst of all of them. Here are the list of ingredients. Granola, which is composed of crisp rice, oats, sugar, wheat flakes, salt, barley malt, corn syrup, milk, chocolate, which also has sugar, chocolate, cocoa butter, skim milk, lactose, milk fat, soy lecithin, M&M's brand minis, milk chocolate candies, which have milk chocolate, uh, which has sugar, chocolate, skim milk, cocoa butter, lactose, milk fat, soy lecithin, salt, artificial flavors, and then there's sugar, cornstarch, corn syrup, the colorings, uh, which include yellow 5 lake, red 40 lake, blue 1 lake, yellow 6 lake, blue 2 lake, yellow 5, red 40, blue 1, yellow 6, blue 2, and then there's dextrin vegetable oil, uh, composed of palm kernel oil, palm oil, and or hydrogenated palm oil, calcium carbonate, fructose, glycerin, maltodextrin, then there's less than 2% of the following salt, cocoa powder, whey, brown sugar, soy lecithin, gum, acacia, carrageenan, xanthan gum, hydrolyzed wheat protein, artificial and natural flavors, TBHQ to maintain freshness, peanuts, and finally, 
almonds. There are an incredible 58 ingredients listed on the label. Of that number, 45 or 78% are unique. Yes, there are 45 specific ingredients packed into this little 24-gram bar. That's less than one ounce. That's a food engineering feat. As usual, let's look at the SOS ingredients. The sweetener representatives are sugar, number 3, and number 8, number 15, and number 24, corn syrup at number 7 and number 26, lactose, number 12 and number 19, fructose, number 42, maltodextrin, number 44, and brown sugar, number 48. That's a bunch of sweet ingredients. How does that stack up nutritionally? There is a total of 9 grams of sugar in a 24-gram bar, or 38% of the total weight. The oil and fat representatives are cocoa butter at number 10 and number 18, milk fat, number 13, number 20, palm kernel oil, number 38, palm oil, number 39, and hydrogenated palm oil, number 40. Quite a slew of fat and oil components, but there's a total of two and a half grams of fat, or really only 10% of the total weight. Some of the ingredients are high in saturated fat. Of the 2.5 grams of fat, 1.5 grams or 60% is saturated fat and, as mentioned earlier, is not heart-friendly. Looking at sugar and fat together, they make up 48% of the Kudos bar. Is that a health food? Lastly, how about salt? On the label, it shows up in three places, number 5, number 22, and number 45. There are 105 milligrams of sodium listed on the label, which gives a salt equivalent of 267 milligrams, which amounts to 12% of the recommended daily amount. Also, roughly 1% of this bar is salt, which is pretty high uh, for a condiment. That's more salt than in two cups of Act 2 buttered popcorn. What other ingredients in this candy bar are significant as regards health? There are 10, yes, 10 artificial colors listed on the label, most of them coming from the mini M&Ms. I talked about a few of these earlier in the Twinkie Cake. Half of them are lakes and half of them are liquids. The new one is Blue One. In lab animals, this dye has produced malignant tumors in rats when injected under the skin and also when consumed. As usual, this product has no dietary fiber, which is pretty odd for a snack that is advertised to have some healthy qualities. How natural is the Kudos Bar? There are 22 out of the 45 unique ingredients that could be described as industrial. That's 49% or close to half. What would attract kids to the Kudos M&M Granola Bar? Well, obviously, it's the M&Ms. The front cover of the box shows the granola bar smothered with M&Ms and an attractive chocolate drizzle. The M&Ms cartoon figure is situated beneath the bar. This is another example of a fusion product. Take a well-known candy like M&M's, another Mars product, and combine it into a supposed health bar. Voila! Kids will then go for it. All right, number five and the last product uh, to talk about is Quaker Oats Instant Oatmeal Dinosaur X. 
Yes, I said Dinosaur X. Who has not heard of the Quaker Oats Company? They have been a household word for many decades, particularly when it comes to oatmeal. Founded in 1901, the company was the result of a merger of four oat mills. They were a successful company in the 20th century, introducing a bunch of new cereals and granola bars. Eventually, in 2001, PepsiCo acquired it. The first instant oatmeal flavor, maple and brown sugar, was introduced in 1970. Now there are dozens and dozens of varieties of that product, including the one I'm reviewing here. Instant Quaker oatmeal comes in flavors so good that you know what we're going to do, Timmy? What? We're going to make a hot cereal lover out of you. Out of me? Out of you. Out of you. With apples and cinnamon. Apples and cinnamon? Raisins and spice. Raisins. Maple and brown sugar. We're going to make a hot cereal lover out of you. That's a really upbeat ditty. Uh, here are the ingredients in the, uh, in the Quaker Oats cereal. Whole grain rolled oats, dinosaur egg-shaped pieces, which have in them sugar, dextrose, hydrogenated palm oil, palm kernel oil, maltodextrin, magnesium stearate, red 40 lake, yellow 6 lake, Modified cornstarch, sunflower lecithin, yellow five lake, titanium dioxide, confectioner's glaze, carnauba wax, blue one lake, palm oil, sugar, and the uh, this contains 2% or less of each of the following salt, calcium carbonate, natural flavor, guar gum, molasses, carob powder, caramel color, niacinamide, reduced iron, Paradoxin hydrochloride, thiamine mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid, and cholecalciferol. There are 32 ingredients in this cereal. Of those, 30 or 94% are unique. First, what are the SOS ingredients? For the sweeteners, we have sugar at number 2 and number 18, dextrose number 3, maltodextrin number 6, and molasses, number 23. According to the label, there are 14 grams of sugars out of 50, or 28%. Just for comparison, Coca-Cola has 26% sugar, a little less. Fat oil shows up as hydrogenated palm oil, number 4, palm kernel oil, number 5, magnesium stearate, number 7, and carnauba wax at number 15. The label reports 4 grams of fat out of 50, or 8%. Only 1 gram per serving is saturated fat. The combined total of fat and sugar in this instant oat cereal is 36%. Salt, number 19, appears only once. The label declares 250 milligrams of sodium, which is the equivalent of about 636 milligrams of salt. That's not too bad for a processed food. As we've seen in earlier products, artificial colors as both liquids and lakes are used extensively, including red 40, yellow 6, yellow 5, and blue 1. Some unusual ingredients in the cereal include magnesium stearate, number 17, and carnauba wax, number 15. 
This is Magnesium Stearate's first appearance in this podcast. You usually find it in medications and supplements, but it's used as a flow agent in food products. In small amounts, it's pretty harmless, but it can have a laxative effect in high concentrations in the gut. As regards the carnauba wax, I'll get to that when I talk about the dinosaur eggs later. Here's another odd ingredient and a new one for the podcast. Confectioner's glaze, number 14. Not to be confused with confectioner's sugar. This material is made from beetles. Yes, I said beetles, the insects. More conventionally, it's known as shellac or beetle juice, and it's usually used to provide a shiny coating on candies like jelly beans and milk duds. At the end of the ingredient list, there are seven chemical names, but these all refer to synthetic vitamins and minerals, so I won't get into them here. How many industrialized ingredients are in this instance oatmeal? I count 21 out of the 30 ingredients, or 70%. Wow. 70% of the unique ingredients in this kid's cereal are industrial. What's the marketing strategy for grabbing kids' attention? What kid doesn't like dinosaurs, particularly the cartoonish ones that appear on front of this cereal box? But that's not the key feature. This cereal is actually a toy as well. Ingenious food engineering. Dispersed among the grains of instant oatmeal are small, whitish eggs, supposedly dinosaur eggs. When water or milk is added to the oatmeal and the mixture is heated, the little eggs break up to reveal some colorful baby dinosaurs, which are actually pieces of candy. The eggs are coated with the carnauba wax, which melts during the heating process to break open the eggs and reveal the baby dinosaurs. Believe it or not, there are actually YouTube tutorials demonstrating this whole process. Okay, that's it for the reviews of the five kids' junk foods. I'll try to summarize the take-home messages in this episode in a few short paragraphs. Everybody seems to know that junk food is not good for our health, particularly children's health. But despite the numerous articles, research papers, and books on the subject, there hasn't been any noticeable decrease in the availability of junk food in our society. I think there are several reasons for this. Most adults are not educated about food ingredients or nutrition, except, of course, the listeners of this podcast. Not realizing what's present in junk foods, many parents don't make good decisions regarding food choices for their kids. Then there are the marketing pressures. Kids are besieged by media ads on TV, radio, and print, on the internet, on billboards, and so on and so on, from food companies spurring them to eat their products. What's a mom and pop to do? Yeah, I know that there are some parents, just to shut their kids up, will cave in to their desires. Buy me this, buy me that. Yeah, desire. That's a whole other subject that I skipped over. Junk foods, like commercials, 
are not created by happenstance. They are carefully engineered to generate cravings, and cravings lead to habits, and habits lead to the inability to feel satisfied. It's called the pleasure trap, the biochemical pathway of dopamine in the brain. There's actually a book on the subject that I recommend you read. The full title is The Pleasure Trap, Mastering the Hidden Force that Undermines Health and Happiness by Douglas Lyle and Alan Goldhammer. The cravings also lead to health problems. So, the rising rates of obesity, diabetes, allergies, immune disorders, gut diseases, and other maladies in children can partly be blamed on the terrible foods that they are eating. How big a part is it? Well, probably nobody knows, but just common sense tells you that bad food will lead to bad health outcomes. When I was reviewing the five junk foods, what were the problematic features that kept coming up? One, High levels of sugar, oil, and salt. These are the basics of cravings. Two, a very long ingredient list. Three, a large proportion of industrial ingredients, either synthetic or far removed from their natural origins. And four, this was not specifically mentioned, but many junk food ingredients are derived from low-quality cheap corn and soy sources since these are the mega commodity crops grown in the United States. The last reason for the abundance of junk food in this country is the indifference of our government, which usually favors the success of big business over the health of our children. When was the last time you saw a government-sponsored public service announcement warning you about the hazards of junk foods? Not likely, because Food concerns have not risen to the level of smoking hazards. Until that happens, the status quo will remain unchanged. In the last few years, there have been a few studies researching the adverse effects of highly processed foods on human health. That's a start, but until science can show the indisputable connection between junk food and lifestyle diseases, then food companies like Kellogg's, Hostess, Mars, Unilever, and Quaker Oats will continue to crank out harmful products and target children with their packaging and marketing. Sadly, the kids are not protected. Up to the age of five or six, they can't even tell the difference between a TV program and a commercial, since both may have cartoon characters in them. After six years of age, their cravings and habits begin to set in, possibly being reinforced by their family setting. Change is difficult as they get older. Maybe by the time they're adults and able to think for themselves, they will figure out the impacts that bad foods have on their health and well-being. Those will be the lucky ones. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their notes at the hosting website called Podbean. It's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. 
If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one phrase, at gmail.com. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times a week, I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance. For next month's show, I'll once again see what's happening in the world of food news. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Displaced Memories, composed by David Heilowitz. Mm-hmm.